0: But at the same time, we've also seen people who come through our ministry, and after they've left, they've fallen, and they've walked away from the faith. And the things that we have heard this weekend from Chris Hamilton, they are so foundational, so foundational for both growing in righteousness and for keeping us in the faith. We could end retreat right now. We have already heard so much uh, from Chris. In the first three sessions, I was trying to wrap my thoughts and complete my thoughts this afternoon and realize we already have so much to digest in just the first three sessions. We are such a blessed ministry, as he already said, to be at Grace Community Church, to be under the faithful teaching week in and week out, and then to come on a Friday night uh, to your Bible study during the week and to learn at our Bible study level, and then to go out and to study, whether it be in a small group or meeting with one of the staffers, we are incredibly, incredibly blessed with opportunity. So my prayer as Chris's prayer, as all of our prayer, is that we will take that step um, as we leave this place, and not just be words, but it would be an action that we would take. We've been fed so well yesterday evening and this morning. And I think Chris summed it up so well um, when he referenced 2 Corinthians 5.9. He said, so whether we are at home or we are away, we make it our aim to please him, to please Jesus Christ. This last session, I, I don't want to necessarily call it a sermon. We're going to look into God's word and then I'm just going to share my heart a little bit. Um, with all of you. And just from what I've seen and what I've experienced um, at GOC UCLA, I just want to share my heart and encourage all of you to excel still more. We are a, a well-oiled church and a well-oiled machine at the Grace, Grace Lawn Campus. Um, we do things so, so well. And there are so many things that we would want to encourage you with. Um, your evangelism ministry has been incredible the past couple of years. In the time that I've been at, at UCLA, I remember going out and fishing. There was maybe three or four people that would go on a regular basis, um, fishing out, going to the Bruin Bear, praying together, and then going to share the gospel with people. But the past couple of years, it's exploded, and you guys have a huge heart, not for that ministry, but for the lost. And through the each ministry, through the gospel proclamation class that we have, you guys are on fire for sharing the gospel to people. And I pray that that would not just be in those groups, but it would be contagious to all of us to want to share the gospel, continue to excel still more in our evangelism. As we look into God's word, that will be one of our points tonight, is to excel still more in our love for the lost and ensuring the truth. The second thing I want to bring out today in in the text is to continue to build our convictions, to continue to build our convictions in the Word of God so that we might understand it better, so that we might be able to articulate it better, so that we might have a greater love for Christ because of what he says in his Word, that we have a greater conviction in our own life towards that purpose that we've talked about so much already this weekend. the remaining time we have left, my goal is to fuel your hearts, our hearts, with worship and to give you truths that will help you fix your eyes on the prize set before us. We talked so much about purpose. In this last session, I want to talk just a little bit, nuance it just a little bit and talk about the privilege of the Christian's purpose. The privilege of the Christian's purpose. We're going to spend just a little bit of time in this passage and then I want to get very practical with where we're going for the rest of this year, as you turn to First uh, Second Corinthians chapter two, Second Corinthians chapter two, that'll be our passage tonight. But as you turn there, you'll recall Paul in First Corinthians, he was addressing the Corinthian church and many many different issues that they were dealing with. They were dealing with divisions within the church, and sexual immorality, issues with marriage and idolatry, spiritual gifts, and many others. Paul in 1 Corinthians sought to, to correct the believers and to restore them to living a life in truth. But here in 2 Corinthians, Paul has heard that new problems have arisen. And Paul is eager to know how the church is doing. But if you look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul is going to meet Titus. And he's eager to hear a report from Titus. How is the Corinthian church doing? how are my brothers and sisters in the faith doing? Has my first letter encouraged them? Have they corrected their ways? Have they come back into the faith in so many ways? And he says in verse 12, when I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though though a door was open for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. Paul was expecting to, to see his brother to hear this good, encouraging report. And instead, Titus doesn't show up at all. When you think about news in life, I think about my brother, he just had a a baby not too long ago, and he was due at the end of May. And we were supposed to hear back at the end of May, was the baby born? Was the baby born? How is the baby? And so then the due date goes on. We're waiting to hear the news, waiting to hear the text, waiting for the picture to say, baby, baby. And mom are doing well, and nothing happens. And It is not until the next day do we hear back from him. But at that point, we're say, "What's going on? What's happening? Is everybody okay? Is the, is the baby okay? Is the mom okay?" No news. We're worried. Of course, the baby was okay, and I have a new nephew. And Paul here heard no news. What was the news? And so here in 2 Corinthians, we actually have a break in the whole text. Paul doesn't give us the news. He doesn't find out how the church in Corinth is doing until chapter 7. And instead, he inserts something in here right in the middle of the text. And unless you're being very acute in reading the text, you won't notice this. But he stops. He stops. And then he meets Titus later on in Macedonia. But here in verse 14, he inserts a thought because he has no idea. He is anxious to know, how are my brothers and sisters doing? Are, are, they, are they for what, the, the word of God? Have they corrected their ways? Or do they hate me? Do they hate my guts now at this point? He loves them. In this book of 2 Corinthians, this is probably the most um, emotional book that is in the whole Bible. Uh, Paul pours out his heart here in 2 Corinthians. And he said he takes a step back not knowing where his brothers and sisters are. He says in verse 14, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ, to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, To the other, a fragrance from the life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Paul here, in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of doubt for his brothers and sisters and his love and care for them, goes into praise mode he praises the lord and he and he praises him in such a way that regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the situation the lord is to be praised he says thanks be to god and today we want again look at the privilege of the uh, the privilege of the christian's purpose the privilege of the christian's purpose it's a tongue twister and the first aspect we want to look at is that we have a promised triumph with God. We have a promised triumph with God. Grace on campus, whether or not you're going through a similar situation as Paul and you're, you're in a situation where life is uncertain, maybe it's you're a senior this year and you have no idea where you're going to be next year, or maybe you're a sophomore and you're trying to figure out the things of life, or maybe you're a family member in, in your life that's going through a trial or there's a death, or there's a sickness, whatever uncertainty that there might be, God gives us truth in his word here today. Paul explains, we can still give praise to the Lord our God because, number one, we have a promised triumph with our God. It says, but thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. What do I mean by this promised triumph with God? Well, Paul uses this illustration here. It's an illustration that would be very similar to something like a wedding processional. When I say wedding processional, an image instantly comes into your mind of beautiful flowers, of a bridal party on both sides, and then the bride walking down the aisle. A wedding processional. You um, could also say, i uh, use as an example a graduation processional. You would think about people in funny gowns and funny hats walking down the aisle to be graduated and then to walk across the stage. It's a very vivid picture that comes to mind when, when I mention one of those two things. And when Paul mentions here a triumphal processional, it was very clear to him and to the people who were reading his letter what that looked like. See, for him, it was an image of, of, of war, but a war that was complete, a war that was over, where the general would be walking through the streets of the Earth, uh, the streets of the city sorry, victorious. And the people would come out and line the streets, and they would be cheering for the general, and they would be cheering for the, the army that, that, that walks before him it would be a very clear picture that there would be flowers and there would be incense and there would be trumpets roaring because the general has won the battle for the city and for the king. One commentator describes it, the scene like this. At the head of the procession came the magistrates and the senate, followed by trumpeters and some spoils of war, such as vessels of gold or brakes of ships. Then came the flute players, ahead of white oxen destined to be sacrificed in the temples along with some representative captives from the conquered territory including such dignitaries as the king driven in chains in front of the ornate chariot of the general the triumphator the one honored by the triumph who wore the garb of garb and um, gown carried as a scepter in his left hand the picture here is that Christ is the victorious general Christ is the victorious general. Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads the triumph, triumphal procession. He is the one that we look to. He is the one that we get behind. He is the one where where we get to see uh, in the streets as he's walking down and we get to give praise to him because he is always victorious. He is always victorious. Do you see when we go back to our campuses later today, do we have this type of vision of God and who he is? When we go out and evangelize to those around us, do we understand that God is going to be triumphant regardless of the situation and circumstances? Whether or not our our classmates scorn us or talk back against us, or even give us the hand and refuse to talk to us again? Do we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be victorious on the last day? Do you see how that fuels our worship? Do you see how that fuels our desire to share the good news? We need to proclaim this good news to so many people. Do you believe that whatever comes your way, the Lord will still be triumphant? In your own life, we talked about those family members, those career choices. Evangelism is God seen as the forefront, as the one who will be victorious in all of those different struggles and questions that you have in life. It is a privilege that we have. It is a privilege to know that we will stand with God in the last day victorious. As we fight our sin, as we fight struggles of this earth no other religion no other idea no other philosophy of this world can say with confidence that their god will be victorious on the last day well i want to turn quickly to the second privilege that we have as we abide in this purpose, as we abide as a Christian, the second privilege that we have is that we are a pleasing testimony to God. We are a pleasing testimony to God. First, we looked at that we have a promised triumph with God, and secondly, we are a pleasing testimony to God. Verse 15 says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God, among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. I think we often hear hear this uh, verse quoted a lot. I I, I hear it a lot. And I, I admit that when I read this and when I hear it, I often misunderstand it because I think, oh we are the aroma to those who are being lost and to those who are being saved. It is the aroma within me that allows me to be a useful to to, 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 say, to, to, to bring in the good news to people and while that is true, we are in aroma. look at who the object is. is it to those who are being saved? are we being in aroma to those who are being lost? Who, who, those who don't know Jesus Christ. It says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God. The object is God in this case. It has everything to do with pleasing God. We are the aroma of Christ to God. God is the object of the sentence. God is the one we aim to please. Speaking of our transformed lives, in chapter 3, verse 4, Paul says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ, toward God. It is towards God that we live our lives, that we are an aroma of Christ. In chapter 5, verse 20, it says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to who? Be reconciled to God. God is the object. God is the one we aim to please. We read it earlier. It is our aim to please who? To please God. And so it is a privilege, not that we are here to please man, but it is a privilege for us as Christians to please the living God, the creator of this universe, the one who has given us life in this first place and the one who has reconciled us through his son Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of pleasing him directly. In the Old Testament, sacrifices were made, and they were made to please God. We know, that, of course, from the New Testament that those sacrifices did not save man. They did not save him, but that's what they did. They, they burned animal sacrifices, and those were the an aroma, in that sense, to the people back then. When they smelled animals being burnt, uh, they knew that they were trying to, to please the Lord, and this is what we are called to be, an aroma of Christ to God. We are to be those who are living sacrifices those who exude the character of Christ, and those who live in light of being redeemed by Christ. Romans 12.1, you guys know it well. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It is a privilege for us as Christians to please the living God directly. That is our aim here. That is our privilege. It is not to please man, but it is to please God. Friends, we can't miss this point. Um, We're not here on this earth to please man. We cannot cater our message to the current uh, schemes of this world or the the current likes of this world, the current desires of this world, the current trends of this world. We can't cater our message to what people want to hear. We have to cater our message to what God has commissioned us to say. We have to be in line with the word of God when we go out. We have to be confident in this truth that it is the power to save. In the early years, when I first moved into 423 Kelton, um, a while ago now, um, there was a seminarian, and I was an undergraduate and there was a seminarian who would come over, and he'd play his guitar. I can remember very vividly him sitting on our couch and playing Shane and Shane songs with another guy. And he was going to seminary to be a missionary. And at that time, it was his aim, so he said, to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he went through seminary and he continued on, Today, he's no longer walking with the Lord. And in fact, he's abandoned the faith altogether. In fact, he won't even talk to Christians today. And I look back and I think about what God is saying here, what Paul is saying here in, 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 this, in these couple of verses, that it is his goal to please God. And I think about that seminarian now who is now lost, trying to, trying to, to find um, his way in life. He is not seeking to please the Lord. He is seeking to please his own selfish desires and the flesh of this world. See, it's such a small nuance, but it has massive implications for our life. Friends, do, we, do you seek to please the Lord or do you seek to please man? Is the aroma in your life a smell for the world or is it one that is offered to the Lord? A small difference, but massive implications. That's why I, was, I mentioned at the beginning of, of this time that it is so important these next four years for you as students, to ground yourself in theology and to ground yourself in your convictions because a small nuance like that will mean the difference. could mean eternity. Yes, this passage is talking about being an aroma to God, one that is amongst those who are being saved, one, an aroma that is amongst those who are being lost, but that aroma stays the same regardless of who it's around because it's ultimately an aroma that is pleasing to the Lord. Are you seeking to please the Lord in your own life? It is an absolute privilege that you and I have this opportunity to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. But is your life pleasing to the Lord? Thirdly, third privilege that we have as Christians is that we have the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to proclaim the truth about God and for God. We have an incredible opportunity, one that is unlike any other. Being on college campuses that we are that we are at, there are thousands and thousands of people around us every single day. I wish I could go back and be in your shoes because the opportunities you have will be unlike any other for the rest of your life. When else are you going to be living next to probably a hundred other people who don't know the Lord, who you get to see every single day for the next year the next nine months, and get to knock on their door and just have a conversation with? How, how, when else in your, your life are you going to be able to do that and say, hey, let's grab a meal together. Let me cook for you. Let's go down to the dining hall together. Let me just get to know you. And how can I serve you? You're a freshman. Let me show you to your classes. Hey, what are you doing on Sunday? What are you doing on Friday nights? What are you doing tomorrow night? I'm having a Bible study in my dorm. Would you, would you be willing to join me? There is no opportunity like that, likely other um, than the time that you have now while you're in college. We have the opportunity, the privilege to proclaim the truth about God and for God. Yes, we have that opportunity for the rest of our lives, but especially now in this unique time in our life. I didn't read the verse. Uh, Verse 16, the second half, it says, who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers, like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And friends, I see four um, characteristics here of one who proclaims the truth of God that I think we can learn from really quickly. One is sincerity. Are we sincere when we share the good news of Jesus Christ? or is it just a is it just rote memory something that we've memorized and we just have to rattle off of our tongue are we sincere about those who are interacting with understanding that if they don't truly believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins they are going to go to hell are we genuinely sincere when we talk to people about their spiritual soul another characteristic as we're commissioned. the 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 says, we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are commissioned by God. We have been given a mandate to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. All nations, that includes here in Los Angeles and in Malibu. We have that commission from the Lord. We are one that heralds the flag and brings the good news to the people who need it most. Third characteristic, again, bringing it back to the purpose, the object of our worship. That person's audience, our audience is God, in the sight of God, in the sight of God and not man. And the last characteristic here is that he speaks in Christ, speaking of the truths of Christ and everything in accordance to Christ. Friends, we have awesome privilege as Christians, not to mention we have been saved and redeemed in our own lives. We have the privilege of knowing our own personal Lord and Savior. We have the privilege of having our sins paid for Redeemed to be redeemed, to have the hope of being with Christ in heaven. This is an awesome privilege. We have a privilege, we have a, the privilege of having a promised triumph with God, of being a pleasing testimony to God, and the opportunity to proclaim the truth about God and for God. I hope that Just these couple verses encourages you today to go out tonight and tomorrow to be a witness for God. Why did I choose this passage? Um, And why to, to all of you today? Let me give you three reasons why. And it goes right along with three points. But the first reason why, I think this is important for all of us today, is that number one, it be, because it emboldens us to share the gospel. It emboldens us to share the gospel. And there's so many opportunities uh, within our ministry to grow in our ability to share the truth, to grow in our courage of sharing the truth. We, here at UCLA, we have the REACH ministry that is going to continue this year. Uh, we have gospel proclamation class that I would hope all of you would take at one point during your college career. Um, I know that many of you have done it your first or second years, and that is, like I said, I think a testimony of your heart for evangelism. Um, we used to have that class, and usually it would be only third years or fourth years taking that class. But you guys, with your heart and love for the lost, with a desire for them to know Christ, are already equipping yourselves as early as possible to be most effective as possible. REACH, Gospel Proclamation, Fishing. We have Fishing every single week. Um, we talked to a couple people this weekend, that we're going to attempt to get back into the dorms and to do, do dorm Bible study once again, um, to start organic Bible studies. Just say, hey, I want to study the Word of God. Hey, knock on someone's door. Hey, would you, would you like to study who Jesus is with me? What an opportunity that will be. Uh, some other things to look forward to this year at GOC. GoC. Um, we're gonna we're gonna try a basketball outreach, um, a basketball tournament this year, and we're gonna pray for God to bring 160 people or so um, from the hill, and we're just gonna go big, and just allow people to get to know our ministry and to interact with all of you, um, so that you can build relationships with them. Um, are we, are you emboldened for the gospel? Are, are you excited for the gospel? Because you guys, like I said, um, just a huge encouragement to me and to, to all of us. I think you are, but continue to, to do so still more. Um, follow up with people. Just some more ideas. Follow up with people from the Al Mohler event from last year. You know, that was a huge event. We packed out Carnesale Commons. Um, and there are people that are still talking about it. So go up to those who you, uh, who you know who came and, and ask them. Hey, what did you think? You know, it's been about, you know, a year now. Um, can I answer any questions that you might have? Your classmates, your lab mates, your coworkers, um, are you emboldened with this truth to share the gospel with people? Third, uh, secondly, <clears throat> another reason why I chose this passage and I hope you walk away with today is because it keeps our focus on pleasing the Lord. Not only, or not on man and not on ourselves, but it keeps our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so easy, like I mentioned, to lose that focus and to please man and ourselves. Thirdly, thirdly, uh, another third thing to walk away with is because this passage encourages us to know the truth. It encourages us to know the truth. Practical application from what we've heard this weekend Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. For Pepperdine, I know the staff there, uh, are, some of them are new, um, and some of them have been there for a while, but as I was talking to Grant earlier this week, he said, hey, it's absolutely their heart, of course, for the students to continue to get to know them. I know that they have a couple Bible studies going on. I think Grant's doing one on Luke. Uh, I know you're going to be studying about the Trinity, um, biblical theology. Um, get to know uh, your staffers through these means, but also dive deep into the truth of God's word. It encourages us to know the truth. Wh- where is your heart for conviction? UCLA, we've got similar opportunities. This year we're going to uh, look a little, um, we're going to focus our some of our classes, our my GOC classes, on systematic theology as well. So we're going to run a series throughout this year um, where different staffers are going to teach on uh, we're basically going to go through the biblical doctrine book, and we're going to walk through that um, topic by topic. So, homartiology on sin, and we want to look at Christology, we want to look at Bibliology and how the Bible came about. We want to look at Pneumatology and the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, we want to look at Ecclesiology and how we can grow in our love for the church. Grow, let's grow in our convictions together. Um, so, that's one great opportunity that we're going to have this year. Um, of course, join small groups if you're not in a small group. Um, that is the primary uh, way where you're going to get accountability and you're going to get one on one discipleship, and where you can open up your life and uh, share the different things that are going on, your aspirations and the struggles, and allow someone a little bit older, maybe a little bit wiser, to come in and to run that race with you. Do you have convictions? Deep convictions, convicting, convicting um, convictions. <laughs> uh, I was talking to, to my wife, Channing, and um, she's been taking some classes up at the Masters University. And one thing that she's been really encouraged by and is encouraging me um, as we talk is that our convictions are not just for ourselves. But we want to know the Bible and we want to know what it says well enough, deeply enough, holy enough where we can minister it to people. Ministering means more than just preaching God's word and that's something that I've been learning. It's easy to to get up and just Well, maybe not for me, but easy for some people to get up and talk about God's word for for 45 minutes and do it week in and week out. But it's much harder to sit down with somebody and ask them, how can this book apply to your life today? What are the things that are going on in your life? And let me take you to a passage that speaks to that. Do we know the Bible well enough, convictingly, convictingly enough, wholly enough, where we can do that, where we can... Have full confidence that this is the inspired, all-sufficient, inerrant word of God. Are we emboldened to share the gospel? Do we understand that we're pleasing the Lord? And are we encouraged to know the truth this week and this year? I want to turn this last portion of this time uh, to talk to the classes individually. And I think this speaks to both, uh, both at UCLA and Pepperdine. But do we have any freshmen in the room? Any freshmen? Yeah? Okay, all right. A couple of freshmen. Good, good. Excellent. Well, welcome, and thanks for being so bold and coming to, to retreat. Um, that's so encouraging, because I think you guys are already, you already get everything that we're saying here this weekend. You already get the idea of seeking wisdom, because you're here, you're seeking wisdom. You already get the idea of being here in the body of Christ and then going out and sharing the good news to other people. Um, So freshmen, use this year. Use this year to soak in as much as you can. As much as you can. Because there's so much around us. Um, Go to the classes. Get to know people. Join a small group and be discipled. Go to church. Go to evening church. Just soak it all in. And then I would say this, is find somebody to disciple you and get to know them really, really, really well. Um, Freshman, you're going to love this time. You're going to love this time. And I just encourage you to to soak it all in. For the sophomores this coming year, you're no longer the the wide-eyed freshman. You guys have been here for a little bit. You kind of understand what's going on. You can move on from from some of the, the simple things that you may have learned. But I want to encourage you in this way that the freshmen are going to look up to you. The freshmen are going to look up to you. See, the freshmen are coming in, and they want, they're looking for somebody. I mean, to, to them, a senior is someone that is incredibly old. Incredibly old. I remember as a freshman looking up to the seniors, and I, I barely talked to them at all because I thought they were just they are out of my league. But the sophomores, they're just one step ahead. And so sophomores, they look up to you. In the dorms, they're going to ask you, hey, where do I get this? Where do I find, find that? Uh, you're going to rub shoulders with them in the bathroom and down the hall in the elevators. <laughs> it's true. So get to know the freshmen, but be examples to them. Your training wheels are now off. Dive in. Um, and that I fully believe this, too. You are the force of this ministry. It's the sophomore class. Um, you guys will drive this ministry in so many ways with the outreach opportunities. And sophomores who are in the dorms this year, sophomores in the dorms. Okay, some of you, go, all right, sophomores in the dorms. go back and tell the rest of your class as well. But this opportunity I mentioned this earlier this opportunity is the biggest opportunity that you will ever have. And I know I said that before, college and whole, but specifically these next, this next month, these next two weeks, it's probably the biggest opportunity you have to go around and share the gospel. Why do I say that? Because you can go around to someone's door tonight and knock on their door and start a conversation, and it's not weird at all. You can say, hey, hi, my name is, I live, so, I live two doors down. Hey, let's grab dinner, and they're going to say yes. Great, let's do it. Let's grab a group and go down and eat dinner. You wait four weeks from now, and you do that. Who are you, and what do you want? Use these next two weeks to your advantage for the, and for the sake of the gospel. I would encourage you to not get too caught up. I think it's important. You want to catch up with people, but don't get too caught up where every single meal between now and the next two weeks um, is meeting with with somebody and catching up with someone you already know. I would encourage you to think about those who need to hear the gospel who are around you and use these next two weeks to do so wisely. You guys want to have a prayer meeting? Great. Have a prayer meeting. Do it at 6 a.m. I know, that's weird, but instead of taking up lunchtime when you could be meeting with somebody else, Get to get out, get up early, meet at a time that's, that's not um, conflicting with the time where you could be meeting and hanging out with other people. That's why we're going back uh, tonight is so that you can be in the lives of those people tonight and tomorrow, starting this week. Sophomores it is the biggest opportunity, and I wish I could go back and live in the dorms all over again, because those opportunities are enormous. The juniors. Who's a junior in the room? Right. You guys, I've been extremely encouraged by your class as juniors because you guys have stepped up um, so many times in ministry uh, over these past couple years. And it is a joy now to see you guys step into leadership in many different ways, formal leadership, whether it be on a ministry team or in a small group or just being an example to a younger person in the faith. See, the ministry really looks, well, while the sophomores are kind of the force and uh, allow things to happen, you as the juniors kind of set that vision. And as, as mature as you guys are this year, so the ministry will go. It really is the case. You guys continue to learn to, to, to serve one another and to pour into other people, regardless of a ministry title or not. People look up to you. Take this year and learn to grow up, to be mature. You're going to be living in the apartments for the first time. You're going to be living with people for other people. You're going to have to deal with chores and cleaning uh, the bathrooms and doing dishes. Learn to serve one another intentionally. Learn to sacrifice your preferences above the others. Because you know why? That is a huge testimony to the world in how you live your life. You guys are leaders, and we're so excited to see you grow. As you grow, so this ministry will grow and go as well. Continue to excel still more. You guys, um, that class, I know you guys did a lot of evangelism and a big driving force for it, our ministry and evangelism. and Continue to grow in that. Don't lose sight of that. For the seniors. Seniors in the room. Okay. It's a special year to be a senior at Grace Church and UCLA, um, Pepperdine. As you've gone through four years, um, you look back at all that you've learned while in the ministry, all that you've grown in your spiritual walk. I would implore you and encourage you to now pour into to other people. Um, It would be very easy, as we've seen, very easy for seniors to slack off in their senior year in terms of ministry and in their own personal walk because they're looking forward, and it's good to look forward, to plan ahead. Um, Absolutely. But don't forget about GOC. Um, We love you guys, and you have had such a huge impact on this ministry, and you still have another two, three quarters to go finish hard, run hard, finish well. Um, We want to help you guys too. And I think that's one of the, the greatest desires is that when you leave this ministry at the end of this year, you will be sent off well and that you'll have direction and that you'll have purpose and that you'll know what to look for in a solid church and you'll know what is a wise decision with one job versus another and you'll know what you're looking for in a spouse Leave the ministry well. Seniors, you guys are going to uh, get together many times. I know may have many trips, and I would encourage you to savor those trips as well. In fact, savor them so well that you know that when you leave this ministry, you're going to have friends for life. And I know we heard that several times this weekend with the panel. But develop those friendships if you have not already. Develop those friendships that will last for a lifetime with someone that you can go to at a moment's notice and say, I need help, and they'll be able to come and help you, and they'll be able to minister God's word to you, they'll be able to pray with you. Seniors, if you have walked through this ministry for, four, for three years and now into your fourth, and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, do not go this year and play the game any longer this is the biggest decision that you can make is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked you this question, and I think it's a litmus test. Are you here at GOC because of the people, or are you here at GOC because of our God? If you're looking for community, you will find community anywhere, even outside the church. But if you're looking for Christ, the only community you will find outside of this place here will be the church you're looking for community, you'll find it anywhere, even outside the church. But if you're looking for Christ, the only place you'll find him, the true fellowship, is in the church. So when you leave this place, be mindful of where that church is going to be and get involved in the church. I know we're only at the beginning of the year, but I say it early because I think it's important that we start thinking through these things. GOC, we love you. Um, We love the ministry that you guys are doing. We're excited for the week ahead and in the year ahead. Uh, we're going to have a big kickoff on Monday, so to make sure you're there. Um, for anybody who is not here this weekend, we're going to talk about the upcoming week and more about details about the year to come. Uh, this is going to be an exciting year, and we are all looking forward to it. I am looking forward.